This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. John DeShazer's here. Daniel Sallerson, too. The gang's all aboard inside Studio B for another edition of the Black and Blue Report. Saints back to work today. They had a day off yesterday. Today started a stretch of six straight workouts for the Saints here at the Oscar Sports Performance Center uh, leading up into that first preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. We'll talk about more as we get we'll talk about that as we get closer, probably into next week, but there are some notable observations from today's practice. The Pelicans have some news today. I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, I'll just note right now that Rajan Rondo is here uh, in the building today and actually was at football practice today. But with that, we welcome in John DeShazer. And John, I'm happy to tell you that you are uh, a part of the show today, which features not only Daniel, but also uh, Willie's, two Willies, that is, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe here today during Hall of Fame week. And Willie Sneed third. we know Willie Sneed fourth, wide receiver for the Saints. His father's been here the last couple of days. Great visit with him that we'll set up a little bit more to in just a moment. So unless your name is Willie, you'll have to step up here in segment one. Well, I'm definitely not a Willie. Um, <laughs> good to have the band back together, though. Yes. <laughs> Me, you, and Daniel. Just like old times. But, uh, yeah, sounds pretty interesting. We know Willie Sneed fourth has really high regard for his dad. Um, one of the reasons he switched his jersey. Because he wanted to pay homage to his family and his father, so you know, good a good sound on that one. And Willie Rofe, the Hall of Famer, uh, always welcome to have him around. No doubt, no doubt. Daniel will visit with him here momentarily. Let's talk about practice today. Not a bad day for the defense, wouldn't you say? Defense really had a day. Um, a lot of third down drills, uh, but even from seven on sevens to to eleven on elevens, whatever the drill was, uh, the defense was pretty much on point today. This is something that the Saints have to be better at, and it's got to start in practice. And anytime you can have some success in practice against Drew Brees, it's got to help out this defense, uh, the mentality. Um, we saw Marcus Williams get a pick off him. We saw Ken Crawley get a pick off him. We saw some some pass breakups against him. And, you know, again, not to knock Chase Daniel or Ryan Nassib or, or Garrett Grayson, but it's not the same as when you're able to produce those against Drew Brees and this offense. So, a really good day for the defense. In fact, uh, they won the final drill, and the offense had to run some some sprints because of it because uh, the defense really rose up today. At the risk of sounding cliche, they played almost angry today, don't you think? Well, I think they've got a, a lot more attitude. We saw – now, they were out there in shells today, which is generally, quote-unquote, non-contact. But we saw some guys on the ground, and Come not on. because they were tripping. You know, we saw some thuds and some hits and some straight-up tackles and some strips there was plenty from, this, from this defense. And and that's But the, I think that's the mentality that they need to have. I keep referencing uh, when Kenny Vaccaro was a rookie and he came in and everybody on offense who was in his area, he just smacked them around. And so this was kind of like that day. You saw some aggression, not just out of Vaccaro. You saw guys hitting guys on offense. Now, Again, is it fair? Because you're not expecting to be hit if you're the offensive guys. So it ain't really, really fair. But you need to have that mentality if you're the Saints, if you want to turn this thing around. Defensively, that's when they've been deficient the last three years. So they got to turn it around. All right. Uh, let's stay on the defensive side of the football for a moment. D-line something we've kind of been keeping our eye on. And I think you and I are in agreement that Cam Jordan is going to be at one of the defensive ends and Sheldon Rankin is going to be at one of the defensive tackles. Uh, other than that, there's a lot of question marks. 
but particularly at that other tackle position. We've seen now, I think consistently, is Tyler Davison and David Onyemata battling for that number one spot at the other tackle. Yeah, those are going to be you guys. David Onyemata was a raw rookie last year, and they gave him limited snaps because they didn't want to overload him, and yet the things that they asked him to do, he did extremely well, whether it was collapse the pocket or just force runners to, into a different situation. He is a very strong player and very forceful. And Tyler, Tyler Davison, I would say, has been a surprise or was a surprise when he was you know drafted a couple of years ago in the fifth round, and now all of a sudden he's a starter or a guy who's capable of starting. He'll probably play starter snaps when you get the rotation going, and he has always been productive when he's been on the field. He is a good run stopper, a good plugger in the middle, and you want those guys because what they'll do is they'll occupy extra players. And if they're occupying extra guys and Sheldon Rankins can get a free run one-on-one against a center or, or a guard, my money's on Sheldon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Cam Jordan can get a free run at that left defensive end against a right tackle, my money's on Cam. So you you need that production in the middle and also hopefully at that right defensive end spot, which Alex Okafor is the guy who the Saints picked up to be there. I think they expect him to be there. Uh, Haoli Kakaha, the linebacker from a couple of years ago, he had his third ACL surgery. He's come back from that. He looks like he's pretty strong, but again, we're not going to know until he's actually on the field you know, in the past in game action, but they got to get something out of that right end also. Yep. Let's talk about the rookie class um, because it's becoming quite clear, much like last year, that they're going to lean on some rookies here, especially specifically out of the draft class. There are some obvious ones here. Ryan Ramchek, obviously, because the injury to Teron Armstead. You and I have already talked about Alvin Kamara. We asked him today how he pronounces his name. It's Kamara. Um, and we've talked about his impact. You mentioned Marcus Williams, the uh, safety, who had yet another interception today. Um, I'm kind of running down a list here, I know. Marshawn Lattimore, he's in the news today because Coach Payton specifically said he's out, but it's not a hamstring, maybe a little bit of a knee tweak here. Yeah, yeah. That's significant because? Because he's had hamstring problems um, historically back at Ohio State. That was his entire issue. When he couldn't play at Ohio State, it was because of hamstring. So as good, you know, it's never good to have an injury, <laughs> but if he's got to have an injury, thankfully it's not the hamstrings. It sounds like a tweak, and hopefully it's something he can return from pretty soon. All right, so significant notes on all those guys. And the last one here that I wanted to bring up today was Alex Anzalone, the uh, the linebacker. John, every time I turn around, I see him doing something. He seems to be out there all the time right now for the Saints. And I know we're only six workouts in, but 47 is, is, is a number I keep seeing in the corner or squarely in my vision. Well, all you can go by is what your eyes tell you. That's what the coaches always say, right? All you can go by is what your eyes tell you. And what your eyes say is he's going to be on the field. He's on the field uh, defensively with the ones. He's on the field with the twos. He plays all the linebacker spots. Uh, he seems to be an extremely intelligent kid if he can play all the linebacker spots already. And the Saints are looking for ways to get him on the field. And every time they put him on the field in practice – Again, granted, it's practice, but he's around the ball and he's hitting somebody and he's making plays uh, on the ball or, or doing some of the right things. Now, is, as a rookie, is he going to be out of place from time to time? Of course he is. I saw uh, on one play action today where he was completely turned around and had no idea <laughs> where the ball was. That's going to happen uh, not just to him. That happens to vets. But he's a guy who's on the field and they're expecting things out of him. Um, I think he might be – a little bit more of a steal than the Saints might have originally thought. Now, he got he was injured at Florida, and I think that hurt his draft status somewhat. Uh, healthy, 
he looks to be a guy that they're going to depend on, and they're going to put him on the field and see what he's got. Yeah, it's a crowded room right now. Um, one thing's clear, Craig Robertson, A.J. Klein seem to be 1-1A, one and then whew, there's a slew of guys that could be that third linebacker or there may be just a standard, just a, a standard, I'm saying that for real, a standard rotation of a three or four other guys. We'll see how that plays out. Um, real quick, before we get to the basketball notes, John, Senio Calamente's return today, I thought it was, was welcome news for the Saints offense. Yeah, they need him back, and not just because he's a swing player. Quote unquote. He's really good at, at left guard. He's really good at right guard. He's played both of those positions a lot for the Saints. Here's why they need him back right now, though because he also can play some center. And they've been having some difficulties from that position uh, in this training camp. Uh, Josh Laribas and Jack Allen have not been smooth in the center uh, quarterback exchange all the time, especially in the shotgun where we've seen some snaps rolled back. We've seen some snaps that probably were best suited for Manute Bowl. And they've got to be a little bit better at that. And I know it, they cut down on it some today. Uh, yet, um, two days ago was really a bad day for them. They cut down on it today, but – uh, Coach Payton said specifically that Senio will be making some snaps because he wants to get that cleaned up. You can't get into a preseason game or regular season game or any game and not have that to be a certainty. Max Unger is expected to be back by the third, third preseason game. He looks like he's right on schedule, if not ahead of schedule. But until then, you've still got to have somebody that can make a, a snap. And if Senio can do it better than those two guys, then he's going to be out there because you can't have Drew Brees at the hazard. You can't have Chase Daniel at the hazard. You can't have any of your quarterbacks so worried about the snap that they can't even look and see exactly what they're supposed to be doing uh, reading the defense. So they got to get that cleaned up, and Senio might be one of the guys who helps do it. Yeah, I will uh, also note along that line, Max Unger seems to be on schedule. Just watching him getting his work in, I'm yeah. not I'm not as concerned as I was. No, nah, no. Nah, uh, that that initial report that he was going to miss the season might no. have been a little premature. <laughs> Before you can see the look on my face during this podcast. You mind if we spend a couple minutes on the Pelicans here? Hit it. All right, let's start with what the team at least has announced. Uh, the two new players are the two-way players. This is new this year in the NBA. It's basically now roster spots 16 and 17. These are guys that are going to – these are these are the, the pioneers, basically, of what we're going to see happen with the NBA teams and their direct one-on-one -on -one relationships with – the G League, okay? So these are guys that are going to spend time with the big club and also with the G League affiliates. So in that sense, the Pelicans have filled at the moment those two slots, one of, one of which is Charles Cook. He's a University of Dayton guy. He played on the Timberwolves summer team uh, last summer. So he'll be in the fold. He's 6'5", 196. The other kid, I need to pull up the, the note here. He is from Texas A&M. Jalen Jones will be the other two-way player. Jones played in the what was the D-League last year with the main red claws. This kid can shoot, um, so he, he uh, kind of fits that need uh, perhaps down the road. He's also 6'7". There is nothing from the team yet on this note, but Ian Clark reportedly assigned a one-year deal for the vet minimum. Um, you may remember Clark on the Warriors squad as a role guy, but he can shoot the lights out. Uh, Ian Clark is going to be allegedly here, <laughs> reportedly, a part of this basketball team too, and that may round things out for the Pelicans roster. Well, if he um, is a Pelican, allegedly, um, he will get a ton of open shots, and that ain't alleged. <laughs> he will get a ton of open shots. Uh, anybody playing the perimeter for this team uh, this season will be feasting on open shots. Now, all you got to do is make them, but you will get your share of them. So, you know, 
I'm sure um, Coach Alvin Gentry is going to be looking around, look, trying to find guys that can shoot the ball because there are a lot of shots to be had. No doubt. Thank you, sir. Anytime. I'll see you tomorrow at practice. I'll see you right back here on this podcast on Friday. Don't forget, we're, we're kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday now here on the Black and Blue Report. And uh, we'll continue on this particular edition in just a moment. We told you Daniel Salerson is here. I know he hasn't made a peep yet, but he will in just a moment. He'll start our guest segment today with Pro Football Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, we had two Pro Football Hall of Famers on the show Monday, Morton Anderson and Marshall Falk, but why stop there? Joining me now is Pro Football Hall of Famer and Saints Hall of Famer, Willie Rowe. Willie, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me again. No problem. Can you believe it's been five years since you were inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? What do you remember most about that day? Uh, you know, I, I just remember wanting to, uh, you know, you know, get through your speech without breaking down too much. But, uh, I, you know, it was great to have my father there to induct me. And, um, you know, he's going through a little bit of a tough time right now in Pine Bluff. But, um, you know, he, him being a part of this and, you know, my family being there and friends, uh, I just remember, you know, how special it was and, you know, to have your name called after one year being eligible and, um, you know, like like I heard LaDamian say on the interview, nobody, nobody playing football unless you maybe Jim Brown or some of those guys. You know, who who thinks they're going to the Hall of Fame? I mean, you know, you go from my my thought process was <clears throat> leaving Pine Bluff, being barely recruited, you know, to getting a scholarship to Louisiana Tech when two of my high school teammates went there and backed out and went to. Arkansas State and me going to Louisiana Tech. We were just going Division One, and uh, you know, going from that to being the second first round pick ever picked out of Louisiana Tech uh, after Ted Bradshaw. So from 1970 to '93, and then um, to be the third player from my university to go to the Hall and to be drafted by the Saints, and and the first Louisiana player ever drafted by the Saints. And then uh, to make the Hall of Fame, to, to, to start putting those, you know, when you get in your career and you start putting those Pro Bowls together, my thing was I wanted to make sure I signed and my second contract and kept playing there. Everybody knew me in the NFC and then to get a chance to go over to the AFC and, and finish up with Kansas City on that on that line and with fellow Hall of Famer Will Shields uh, who didn't miss a game for 14, 14 seasons. You know, you, you know, it, uh, it was, uh, all those thoughts go through your mind, you know, just the journey, what it took to get there and the hard work and the dedication and the luck and, uh, obviously being blessed from above to give you the talent to do it. And, and, uh, 
you know, I was just so uh, so happy and so thankful to be able to go back there every year and see the new enshrinees and get to see the older guys and have a good time. Was it when you got up on that stage to make your speech, is that when it hit you that you were a pro football Hall of Famer? Or was it maybe when you got that phone call saying that you were in? When when was that moment that you said, man, I, I can't believe I, I'm here right now? Well, when you get the phone call. When you get the phone call, you're in. So yep. when you get the phone call, I, was, I got the phone call. And at that time, we were going, they were, that's when they started everybody going on the field doing the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you didn't get invited. Now I think they invite you. You didn't get invited to the Super Bowl unless you got the phone call. So I was rushing. I was living in Villa Park, California, and I was rushing to the airport to get on the flight. And I remember flying up there and and uh, and, and to Indianapolis and uh, going on the field and um, and going to the game and with, with the guys I went in with and. and you know, if you know, two of us are gone. I mean, Jack Butler was in, inducted, and, and he was deceased the next year. And we just fly, lost my good friend Cortez Kennedy, mm-hmm. who you know, uh, the, who just worked with the Saints, and you know, was was a very special man. And and uh, you know, we miss Cortez. I, I miss him, and you know, those phone calls from him and at night teasing me and messing with me because we're both from Arkansas. I miss those, but, uh, you know, you think about the guys and, and like I said, you know, the guys you go in with and, and the fact that it's only when you go up there and you and you go to that, I'm going to tell you, I, I wake up, when you go there and you go to that Ray Nitsky luncheon and those guys are telling you how serious and how important this is and how special it is and out of 300 and some guys, it's only like a 150 living guys. Yeah. Or hundred, whatever the number is, I mean, it's only it's it's only three hundred guys that are even in there. So I mean, it, you know that 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 tells you all you need to know there. Absolutely. Um. So you you, you talk about this uh the weekend you're gonna be there uh tomorrow in Canton. Uh, Morton Anderson, former Saints player, going into the Hall of Fame, much deserved. What does Morton have in store for him when he arrives in Canton? Because I'm sure you remember from five years ago. I mean, I'm sure that weekend. Uh, felt like an eternity, or did it feel like it went by so quickly with all the stuff going on? What does Morton have in store for him this weekend? Well, he's going to be very, very busy. Yeah. I mean, you're doing interviews. You, you, you're the, you're the toast to the, to the, to, to the, to the, to the, to the whole weekend. So he's going to be busy going places, being prepared, making sure he's got his speech together. Uh, you know, Saturday you have the roundtable thing Sunday morning. So after you. Get in trying Saturday and party all night Saturday night. You got to be up early Sunday to do that. But you know, you 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 kind of just going through all the adrenaline, and you don't get to really really enjoy it yourself till you get to go back and and go back and hang out like I do now. I get to go back and see everybody and have a good time. So it's kind of a whirlwind that first year. But after that first year, you you know you get to enjoy it and sit back and hear the stories. You know. Old time. It's always good to be around those other guys and, and hear the stories about, you know, from Frank Belisnikoff and the old time guys and I, you know, Larry Little and, and those guys. So I, I just like sitting back and, and listening to the stories and just being being in their presence, you know, at that luncheon and, and the whole weekend, just being around all those great football players. And, and, and you know, more than that, it's a lot of, lot of good men and just, just good, 
good good people in society. It just you know you want to you want to just sit in the room and soak that knowledge up every every chance you get. Yeah, man, to be a fly in the wall in some of those rooms for some of those stories that'd be fun. That's for sure. Um, you talked about your speech um, and writing that. Uh, Morton says that he has a speech ready to go. It's longer than what they told him he was allowed. Um, how long did it take you to write your speech, and were there any nerves when it was time for you to take the stage? Well, I had somebody help me with it, and uh, it was very nervous. I just wanted to thank everybody, and from high school on, some some of the special teammates I played with, it, and you wouldn't have, none of this would be happening if it wasn't for your teammates and the people, your family and people, the coaches that helped you along the way. So you just want to make sure you don't forget anybody. But I was very nervous. Uh, I'm glad it was written down, mm -hmm. you know, most of it. You know, you're going to – you can go off the cuff a little bit, but uh, 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 I I didn't go over too long. I'm, I made sure I wanted to give a good speech and get my point across and, and, uh, and wanted to, like you said, you know, you don't want to get too emotional. You try not to, but you know, I mean, I mean, this is a one-time deal. So if Morton goes over some a little bit, then then it, it's it's his time. He gets his time, this one time to do this, and um, so it's very special. So I want him to get get everything he needs to get out. If you were to see him before he gave his speech on Saturday, or even or Sunday, I mean, or even just any advice before he heads there, what would it be for him as he embraces this weekend? Uh, to enjoy the moment and have fun, you know. Don't don't clamp. Don't get nervous. Just have have a good time. You know. Just let your emotions out and have fun. And yeah, Saturday, it's Saturday afternoon. And now they they switched it around. The games tomorrow, and they have the big concert on Sunday. So I just say have the fun and enjoy the weekend. And and it's it's gonna be a great ride. And lastly, what are you up to these days? I haven't seen you here. I know I did an interview with you last year before the season started. What are you up to these days, Willie? Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. We have a special product we're bringing to the fans. Uh, it's called Frame Your Game. You can go to Frame Your Game or FrameYourGame.com. We have uh, sports-related license plates for those people that want to put them on their car. Or you can or you can buy a picture mat like a Morton Edison we're gonna have some pictures for sale, and or get your favorite football player and uh, get it, get it signed and put it on your wall. So uh, we're putting them. We're launching this weekend at the Hall of Fame. We're gonna uh, have a Saints one and on all in signage cards. We're gonna have the helmet. We have the hat and the helmet available now. It's gonna be on the vehicles um, uh, and and, uh, and during the whole weekend. And like I said, if you don't have a front plate on your car, I know Louisiana that you're not required. You can. Just go to any dealership and get the uh, front license plate thing put on there, and and you can put your frame your game, put your Saints football helmet on, or we have we also have LSU license, and and we'll have about seventy colleges, and we we do have the NFL license. So, you know, for the LSU fans, we do have LSU ones for sale on the website as well, USC, and and we do have the full uh, NFL. Uh, 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 catalog for sale on our website well i've been looking for a new nice license plate frame so i know where to go now frameyourgame.com that's good stuff willie willie rofe pro football and saints hall of famer uh enjoy the weekend in can i know it's always a good time catching up with former teammates and friends and i hope you really enjoy it, willie and thanks for coming on again today thank you for having me all right we'll be right back
Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Willie Sneed III is the father of Saints wide receiver Willie Sneed IV. Something that you probably noticed on the back of Willie Sneed IV jersey is that he likes to have that Roman numeral on the back there. And that lineage is important to him. I'm sure it is for you too as number three, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's just extending that name one more generation. And it's, it's, it's been great for our family. I have, I have a feeling that if Willie has a son of his own, that there'll be a Willie the Fifth. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when did that When did that become impressed upon you all generationally? That that's a name that that was a particular name that you all wanted to carry through. I think when I was younger with my father, um, I didn't get to see him a whole lot. He was a, a truck driver, so he was on the road a lot. He'd be gone two, three weeks at a time, and you know I can hear when he comes into town. You hear that big truck just pulling up and I run outside and you know for me I was just happy to be his son you know it was just a proud moment for me that he named me after himself I just think there's something special when a dad you know loves you that much that he wants you to carry his name and uh, for me that's I said when I ever started my family that I wanted to name my son after me and and Willie was everything that my dad instilled in me uh, I instilled in him and my other son as well. So unfortunately, my wife wouldn't let me name my other one, like George Foreman, the six. So she said that would be a pretty, uh, confusing. So we stopped right there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of him. And, you know, just having played this game and coached it for 25 years, when you're sitting in the dome and you hear your name called, you know, you, it, it kind of resonates. It, it, you kind of relive the moment all over again. So there's it, a lot of significance to it. Okay, Dad, you've been here at training camp the last couple of days watching Willie Sneed the fourth. What have, what are your takeaways been? And if you want to share those with me as a father or you want to share with those with me as a, <laughs> as a two-plus decade football coach, yeah. go right ahead. No, I think he's, he's doing well. There's some things that, you know, uh, he still needs to work on, and we talk about it after every practice, you know, some things he can do to get a little bit cleaner releases off press coverages and getting a little bit more separation in his routes and uh but that's kind of like a, a 20 we started that when he was at when he was five years old and it's just a conversation that's evolved over time that now he's a young man and you know the the, the conversation is still the same but it's more elevated it, it's at a higher level now you know and uh he's he's just a hard worker and i just always instilled in him always be the first guy in and last guy out you know, and that makes a lot of difference to coaches. What's what's changed in his game since since he first came to a training camp here with us, with the Saints, to where undrafted had to make his mark, makes a team. What do you see as a difference between say then and what you're seeing now here this week? I would probably say confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going into his third year. The game has slowed down for him. I think he's gained the trust of Drew. Uh, he's been out there the last two summers we have out to San Diego to do some training. And I just tell him you got to earn the trust of these guys that make the decisions. And Drew is a big part of what happens with that offense. 
And, uh, you know, he's done that. But I think he has to continue. I mean, I'm watching him now. He's continuously out there working on something to get better to bring it to the next practice. He's a kid. I mean, he's a grown man now, but Mm -hmm. he's a young man who's played multiple positions. Did you think that he'd end up as a wide receiver uh, when he was coming up through high school and college? He wanted to play wide receiver. We, my mom, my wife wanted him to play quarterback because he was such a great quarterback. He, I think if you look at his highlight tape in high school and Johnny Manziel, it's pretty much the same. He was able to extend plays, throws a great ball, and I think the fans got a chance to see that last year. Mm-hmm. Coach Payton asked me, he said, Coach, do you think he can throw the ball? I said, Coach, have you watched his tape? I said, heck yeah, he can throw it. And I, and I was shocked when he called the play, but uh, one of the things that's funny about that Sean is that I had that same opportunity at the University of Florida. They threw me a receiver screen and I threw it a touchdown pass to Ernie Mills and it was my my ex-teammates Emmett and all those guys said Sneed do you realize what that play was? Do you remember that play? And we went back and looked at the video and it it was against Tulsa and it it was uh, I threw a pass for a touchdown which was really really cool so it's those type of things that you know you get to enjoy that but he's he just wants to play football. He's not caught up into the whole aura of the NFL. He just wants to play, and he loves winning. I think you see that the way he goes out. Tell me something about your son that he won't share with me if I ask him. I think that he's he's kind of a he's kind of a loner a little bit when it comes to working. He doesn't like the attention. You know, he doesn't want he doesn't want to be the guy that always has to be in front of a microphone he just he's that blue collar type guy he wants to go to work he wants to get it done and uh as long as the team wins he's happy he gets really upset when they lose you know and you can he kind of wears it on his sleeve and i just say son it's a long season you got to go out there and, and and help the team become better in any way you can i have a 17 year old son right now myself and i'm watching him try and get away with some things that i tried to get away with yeah. when i was 17 <laughs> What were some of the things that, that Willie tried to do at 17 that mirrored your uh, youth a little bit? Just, you know, ducking out of those intense workouts because he hated working out with me, but it made him better. Uh, he literally lose sleep over what we were going to do that next morning in a training session. So, you know, there would be days where he said he wasn't feeling good, or but that was never an option. You know, it was about chasing greatness, and I'm like, you got to be willing to work when guys are out drinking or partying and hanging out. You got to be out there working, and uh, he's done that. But I think he's a classic uh, player that's kind of an overachiever. You look at him, and you say, okay, who's this guy? But I think when you give him an opportunity, you get to see what he's all about. Let's talk more about you. Willie, you've been leading young men for a long time on the football field, in the classroom, and, like, and, and, and otherwise. When you look back as you're kind of winding down now and enjoying <laughs> in your son's life and everything else. What are some of the things that are sticking with you most now that you're having a chance to slow down and look back a little bit? Uh, just just the lives of all the young men I've impacted. You know, I have about six guys that I've coached in high school that are in, in the NFL. Uh, most of them are receivers. Uh, all out of South Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, yep. And uh, it's just, I think the gratitude comes in when, you know, these guys are, they're married, they have their families, and they call me up and say, hey, coach, I want you to come to my wedding. You know, those t- I think to me for a report card for a coach, when a kid remembers you after five or ten years and he still wants you to be a part of his life, I, I think that speaks volumes. And I get a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, gratitude out of that. 
What a treat to get to know you, and it's always a treat to have your son around, too. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, and thank you. Appreciate it. Great stuff from the father of Willie Sneed, Saints wide receiver. That's Willie Sneed III, who has made himself a great name in the state of Florida as a long, long-time high school football coach. And I learned a lot today. Certainly learned a lot from all of our guests. Thanks to Mr. Sneed, Mr. Willie Roth as well, Daniel Salerson, John DeShazer. Thanks to you as well for spending part of your Wednesday or perhaps even Thursday with us. We're back on Friday for the next edition of the Black and Blue Report. Looks like Lance Moore is going to stop by on Friday. We'll also wrap up this week's uh, practice uh, for you before the Saints head into the weekend, which is a full work weekend for the Black and Gold. And we're inching ever so close now to the release of the NBA schedule. Hopefully next week. Hopefully. Daniel's rubbing his hands together even as we speak. All right, gang, that'll do it for us. Thanks again to everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time here on the Black and Blue Report.